Hello, and welcome to East Africa NGO Podcast. I am your host, Patrick Hill. This program is sponsored by Team in Faith, supporting women, orphans, and vulnerable children in Uganda and elsewhere in East Africa since 2012. Lift lives and raise hopes at teaminfaith.org. Today, I will introduce you to Dr. Scott Kellerman. He and his wife, Carol, answered a call to serve in East Africa nearly 20 years ago. In the intervening years, they have helped establish a 120-bed hospital, a nursing school, and outreach center right outside the Bwindi Impenetrable Forest in southwestern Uganda. The Bwindi Community Hospital has helped improve and transform the lives of thousands in the region. Let's learn more about it from this conversation with Scott Kellerman. So, Dr. Scott, thank you very much for joining me today. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you, Patrick, for inviting me. So, one of the first questions I wanted to ask you was, when you arrived in Uganda, you and Carol arrived in Uganda almost 20 years ago, did, did you have a vision for what you would encounter and what would happen next and how the mission would grow? How prepared were you on those in those first steps when you got started? Great question, Patrick. I'd say totally unprepared was where we were. We went over initially to do a medical survey on the Batwa, on the Batwa Pygmies, the indigenous people of southern sub-Saharan Africa. They had been living in the Indian Peninsula Forest for a millennium, and then 1994, they were evicted from the park uh, when it was made a world heritage site in order to protect the endangered mountain gorillas. So we went over to do the survey, and what we found was pretty overwhelming. 38% of the Batwa dying before the age of five compared to 18% in Uganda and 0.8% here in the U.S. Everything computed had a life expectancy of 28, annual income of $25 a year. They're ultra poor, and they were in rather desperate straits. My wife was afraid of Africa, you know, from all the diseases, my subspecialties, tropical diseases. And so the upshot was we were totally unprepared to see those numbers, and we were unprepared for the joy that emanated from these people who seemed to be suffered, suffering so greatly. Wow. Both of those things kind of surprised us. There's a statement that shared joy is double joy, shared grief is half grief, and everything is shared and stuff there in Africa. So they seem to be joyful, mm-hmm. not in spite of, maybe even because of their adversity. It really drew them together. And then right. after we'd been there, my wife was afraid to go. I had, you know, I've been wanting to go to Africa for years to in my subspecialties, tropical diseases. And after we'd been there for maybe five weeks, over dinner, my wife said, whoa, I feel like I've come home. And then after we'd been there a couple more weeks, she said, I think we ought to be thinking about it, opening my heart to consideration, because I think that when we go back home, we should consider selling everything and coming over to help these people. Of course, that really rocked me, because here's my wife who's afraid of Africa, and here she's interested in spending quite a bit of time in Africa. So we opened our hearts, and that's what we ended up doing. It took about a year to... We were kind of living large in California to kind of jettison a lot of our accoutrements and possessions. But that's what we did. And a year later, we found ourselves back up there in Africa. Because I'm a doc, there was no health care delivery. My wife's teacher wasn't much in the way of education. We spent the first couple of years living in a tent, traveling around learning language, culture, and traditions. It was quite a shift of priorities, but it was a wonderful experience. It really sounds like it, and you've been an inspiration to so many people. I remember seeing you uh, when you would come to uh, Faith Church in Cameron Park and do these presentations, and it's just like, wow, 
Wow. And other people went, any other people visited you before I got my chance, but it was really remarkable. And I echo the things you're saying, the joy that these people have despite having nothing compared to what we perceive as important, but everything in the way of fellowship and extended families that we often take for granted or are often missing. Your mission grew pretty humbly, as you say, you know, staying in tents and, you know, building the, the clinic. And then subsequently the hospital was built and the campus there. And that not only that, you've gone to nursing school in Gwindi and then the Botswana Development Program. This has really taken off. You were very successful with the help of partners. Can you tell me about how partnerships here from stateside and over in Uganda were instrumental in helping you get your, your programs off the ground? There's a local expression I'm sure you're aware of, Patrick, that says, Agari, how many nigo I got that gufa? It takes all the teeth to break the bone or united we stand. Kind of one of the central, you know, kind of little quotes and verbiages they use in the area where you know in Sub-Saharan Africa. And, and it's true. You can't do it on, on yourself, on alone by yourself. It, things can be pretty overwhelming. When we first started dealing with the issues, I mean, where do you go? You know, healthcare is a great idea. But what about sanitation? What about preventive measures? What about bed nets for uh, malaria? What about, you know, housing issues, clean water, sanitation, all these issues that way beyond my skill set. And say we spent the first couple of years trying to figure out what the needs were and how we can engage the local population in meeting those needs. And after a few years, we put up an outpatient center and then a maternity unit. And the reason for the maternity unit is the maternal death rate was 880 maternal deaths per 100,000 live births. You do the math, for every 113 live births, the mother had a tendency to die in pregnancy. That was the highest rate I could find in the peer-reviewed literature. So our focus then is now is maternal and child health. And put up those units, and we've been there about five years. And we said, ah, that's about it. About time to go home. And then some people came along and said, you know, what about surgery? Said, yeah, it'd be great to be able to do cesarean sections. That'd be, well, what about pediatrics? Yeah, because the main people that suffer in the developing world is under five. Well, what about HIV? <laughs> so, and they all they put up a surgery unit. Pediatric unit, HIV unit, and then people around, what's the sustainability component? What's the one thing you can do to impact poverty? And one of the definitions of poverty is lack of options, and obviously without an education, options are very limited. And so the upshot is we're starting to get involved with education, the nursing school. Hopefully in a couple of years we'll have a a full-fledged science and technology university. So people just came alongside not only with, making suggestions, but, you know, willing to stay involved, help, you know, donate, and just engage in all these projects. So, yeah, it was never, I think if I had known that this is what the eventuality would be, I never would have gone. I'm a pretty simple guy, and, and I never had those administrative skills or human resources or logistics or any other capacities to pull something off, but it's true, as you mentioned, that people who came over helped out, and through those relationships, lives were changed. Amazing. Would you say that your mission has changed 20, you know, 15, 20 years later? Is, is the focus still the same, reducing poverty, reducing mortality rates, or have you, you moved on? Are the, the avenues 
for expansion and, and ideas and opportunities still out there for you. What What's ahead, do you think? Patrick, as you know, with the language, there's no future tense in, in Rikiga language. So it's a little hard to extrapolate. So we sit down with a bunch of pygmies and say, what's your five-year plans? I mean, they just look at you. Okay. Yeah, it's a tough thing. And, and I think you keep your heart open. And a mission statement has not changed. That is to provide health care and health in all its fullness. Whatever that means, all its fullness has never changed. If it did, you know, there's something called mission creep, you know, where you get involved with projects you should never be involved in. So we always return to that mission statement, and the upshot is, is education part of health in all its forms? And you say, yeah, you know, and is providing a nursing school? Yes, that is. Providing a hospital, clean water, sanitation, housing, income generation, all of that fits within us. But we've had people that have come alongside and, and said, what do you think about that? And they would have a project that we hadn't really anticipated, and and it's a great idea, and they're willing to not only donate, but help help get engaged uh, on the ground. Our mission statement has not changed, but our certainly scope of what we do is expanded exponentially. I would think that by now, there, there's a, and I, I think I know this to be true, but there's a new generation now of hospital workers gaining entry at the Windy Community Hospital. Some of the experienced people have moved on. Maybe they've gone to Kampala. I know Dr. Leonard, for one, is now in the United States. And there's others. So, in addition to saving lives and curing diseases, the Kellerman Foundation has helped launch medical careers. And, and so that must feel nice. It is good. And I just met with a good friend of mine named Jerry Hall, who's the mm-hmm. previous international vice president of Rotary and been a close collaborator. He came mm-hmm. over with a Rotary project. We were like six or seven years into our work there at the Windy. And he was going to unload a rotary container, which sadly didn't didn't arrive until four to six months after he'd gone home. But his expertise was strategic planning and goal and vision setting. So he sat down with our meager staff, and we did a SWOT analysis. And the SWOT analysis, the key part is threat. And what's your threats? And the two threats were if you have rebels come across the border from the Congo and kill everybody, which kind of happened in 1999. And just kill everybody, took out quite a few tourists. And or if Carol and I leave. So in with respect to the threat category, we were in the same, we were lumped in with rebel groups. And we realized what we needed to do was train local Ugandans to take over the capacity of running the hospital and nursing school and the Bachelor Development Program. And that's been a major focus. Now, some people have migrated over to Kampala. Some have come to the United States. I'm not real keen on coming to the U.S. U.S. is kind of a brain drain for Uganda. But now, currently, all our administrative positions and all our leadership positions and all the capacities in the nursing school, Bachelor Development Program, the hospital, are all run by Ugandans who speak the local language and know the local culture and are totally committed to the mission. That's awesome. And that's what you want. And you mentioned the book, When Helping Hurts. We don't want to go over to Uganda <laughs> or any nation and just sort of impose, you know, how we're this is how we do things. This is how you should do things. But work alongside with them, have them buy in and participate and help them build it themselves and sustain it themselves. And I think BCH is is an example of of how that's being done. You're true. We have medical students that come over and they 
you know, American medical students, it takes a week to get down, you know, round trip is a week. So they get a month off and they have three weeks with us. We'll sit around at dinner when they first arrive and they say, look, we only got three weeks. We've read up on Africa. We know it's a basket case. So what can I do to change the trajectory of Africa in three weeks? And uh, we just look at them and say, well, it's not going to happen. The trajectory of somebody's life is going to be changed. And I think it's going to be you, mm-hmm. not Africa. Because Africa has a lot to offer. The gift of a relationship. The gift of the culture. I mean, yeah, they don't have the technological know-how, but they have a lot of things that we lack here, and that's support of one another, collegiality, as you know, Patrick. So we tell them that, ah, if you're only going to be here three weeks, why don't you just listen? And I think that's going to be the greatest payoff is you learn from these people. If you're coming over, you're trying to change. But, uh, you know, they have a lot to teach the Western world. You know, there's a statement that you know that Americans wear watches. Americans wear watches, but Africans have the time. You know that statement, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and and they do. And it's all about collaboration and relationships. And that's what I think Africa can teach us. That's right. And another great saying is, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, you know, okay. go with others. You're right, Patrick. And that, and that really is. You and I walked a few fast together, so that's been good. I've, I've enjoyed it. Not only getting to know each other, but... You know, the, certainly the load and journey doesn't seem to be as, as difficult or as far. Well, I remember our conversations we had before our first, my first trip, and we would meet at the Starbucks and and just sort of dream dreams <laughs> and, and, and what things were like. And it was life-changing. And you said, remember, Africa gets in your blood. And, <laughs> I mean, I'm a junior compared to you, but I've been, I, I can't believe I look back and I've been there every year since 2012. And I'm always, like you right. say, I'm always looking forward to my next visit. I want to have a purpose, though, not just for for tourism. I'm not a tourist. And you're not a tourist. <laughs> I mean, we're embedded there, and that's, it's a big yeah. difference. It has been life-changing. I'm grateful to you for, for showing the way, not only to me, but I'm sure for many dozens of others. Well, and, I'm grateful uh, for our friendship, Patrick, so thanks. That was Dr. Scott Kellerman, who, along with his wife, Carol, have been serving the Batwa Pygmies in southwestern Uganda for nearly 20 years. You can learn more about the Kellermans and their work at the Bwindi Community Hospital. Go to the Kellerman Foundation website at kellermanfoundation.org. That's K-E-L-L-E-R-M-A-N-N foundation.org You can donate online to support the medical mission. Thank you for listening today. I'll be back again soon to introduce you to another organization that is helping our brothers and sisters in East Africa. For East Africa NGO, I'm Patrick Hill.